You're listening to The End Sunday Show. Leaving behind religious obligation for a better expression of Christ, this is The End Sunday Show. Hey friends, Mike Adams here with the Un Sunday Show. And as you can see, if you're watching this video, I have a very special guest today. Trent Antle is joining me from up north, north of me, way north of me. And uh, we're going to talk about his story a little bit today and see where that takes us. And I'm sure there'll be some rabbit trails to follow along the way. And we'll, we're going to follow those. So uh, Trent, welcome to the show, buddy. I really appreciate you being here. Hey, no problem, Mike. It's Awesome to be here. I've been telling you right off the bat, you and Susan, uh, your 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 uh, Grace Cafe podcast and yours on Sunday show has been <clears throat> has been a, a bright sh- uh, spot in my life. It's been incredible to learn from you. So yeah, wow. it's it's exciting to be on this show, man, and and to just share um, share my experiences, share about grace, number one topic, and to take this wherever it goes. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely. Yeah, so let's uh, let's start off, Trent, by just talking a little bit about your story. Give us your backstory, maybe, and a little sure. bit about who you are, and uh, you know wherever you want to take it, and then talk about your your journey, maybe into religion and then out of religion, into church and then out of church <laughs> because you are de church just like I am. So uh, yes, but you know you got there a little different way. So I'm going to turn this over to you, and I'm just going to let you kind of take your story whatever direction you want to go. I'll interject things from time to time. And like I mentioned before I pressed record, I have my handy dandy notepad here. So, uh, you know, if some topic comes up and I scribble something down, we might want to circle back to it and talk about that particular thing. So Sounds the, good. Uh, the floor is yours, buddy. Well, as you already know, my name is Trent and I'm from, uh, I'm from Canada. That's, uh, that's God's country for those who are listening. It really is. <laughs> I have a a wife of 20 years, two kids or teenagers now, and I'm from a small little island off the east coast of Canada called Newfoundland. It's of Irish descent. I know you're thinking, man, I don't I don't detect any Irish. It's because I uh I screen it pretty good because last thing I want to do is bring any confusion to anybody. Um for me, when it comes to my upbringing, I I I grew up in in a, in a very um <clears throat> militant family. In the sense that hard work, being on time, helping people, being present, and the expectations were really high. I mean, uh, my grandfather had a farm. I grew up working on that farm. My father was a truck driver. And so our lifestyle kind of, in a, in a nutshell, formed our view of, 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 of church, of God of uh, relationships, that there was no room for lack. You had to try hard, put on a happy face. You couldn't say no. And, and of course, a gamut of other things. And so being third, fourth generational charismatic Pentecostal. So, I mean, for most of you out there, if you don't, uh, don't know what that is, I'm going to say Google it. Because I I don't have time to get into all of it right now, but <laughs> it's just it's just a it, it's a torrential downpour of everything you could possibly imagine. But uh, growing up, fourth generation Pentecostal, charismatic, 
<clears throat> was uh, a lot of time spent in a building. Mike, a lot of time spent Monday through Sunday was if you can get to that building, you've you've reached uh, all star status with Jesus. There you go. You get a gold star by your name. You do, and sometimes you'd get a ribbon and a sticker in Sunday school if 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 you knew your verses right, there especially the Joshua one nine. If you knew that one, I mean, yeah, you're, that's you're, an important you're, one. You're apexing the mountain here, right? So all my life as a kid, I mean, we were, uh, I mean, we were dragged to church on our mother's, you know, coattails, if we can say that. And, you know, we had a, my sister, I have a sister as well. We had a great upbringing. We were confident kids. Uh, we loved people. We, we, we were raised to love people. That's one thing I'll give my parents, love people. Um, and so we, we would go to church three or four times a week. And that wasn't counting uh, the other two that you just accidentally ended up going for some unknown reason. I don't know. But schedulely, it was scheduled, right? It was a regiment. Right. And it was, it was something that, I mean, to this day, because I, oh, well, I would consider myself a mature person. Some people would probably object to that. But yeah, I, I mean, people who are listening who know me will go, yeah, I object to that. <clears throat> but uh, we were only doing what we were taught. We were only going through the motions based on the command and the expectation of our parents whom learned it from their parents, right? So, I mean, I'm mature enough now to go, you know what? I understand where that came from, the origin of that. They were just doing what they thought was best. But as I grew older into my youth, there was a big expectation on me at my local church because at the age of 15, 16, I was preaching, as we would call it in church, and leading worship. And I was on leadership teams, but I was a very, uh, very, I guess, profound voice. My youth pastor would tell me, oh, you're, you're such a profound voice. You're the voice of this generation. And of course, you flew with that. You didn't question <laughs> that. Like, what does that mean? Like, that could be Adolf Hitler for all we know, right? I mean, it right. could be Billy Graham. Interesting note is my nickname through high school in youth group in the community was Billy Graham. Really? Yeah. I just love to share the gospel. But the only thing is, it was only one half of it. Uh, it missed grace. It mi- right. missed the new covenant, right? It missed the cross. It missed resurrection, especially emphasis on that. And so I grew up through my teenage years trying to fit this mold, make everybody happy. And it's only in retrospect, Mike, when you look back, you go, yeah, that's exactly that what that was. I thought I was kind of on cruise control, but it wasn't that. It was me trying to fit, you know, the ideal um, teenage Christian in a, in a church and with a group of people that I was told had to live up to in some expectation. I felt it was, it, I was always agitated inside, but I didn't know why. I'm yeah. exhausted, guys. I'm exhausted. I'm doing everything. Yeah. Um, I'm fulfilling everything you're asking me to do. I felt like there was a spotlight on me. You know, it's, it's, I would compare it to, you know, the, the rookie that comes into the that professional sport in his first season and it's all kinds of hype around him and his expectations right. are so high and superstar, you know, superstar mentality. Yeah. And, and, and through their first 20 games, they're like, man, who's this guy? He's not, he's not fulfilling the, you know, the, uh, the Messiah type attributes that we thought he would have in this sport. 
He's not the common one. He's not the great one. And so that's where it started to lead. I started to get tired and exhausted. And then in my 18th year, I remember in our our local our local institution, just, just so there's some background understanding, it was developing at a rapid rate a lot of pastors being called into ministry, if we mm. if we can put it that way. We understand it. For those in the grace camp, we understand what that means. And I mean, we were producing them like, you know, a conveyor belt. I mean, they couldn't come off fast enough. We were sending them off to, yeah. you know, around the world. And and that became our church's uh applause, right? Oh, the church over here, man, they're just we can't keep up with them. They're just they're just producing, mass producing and and exporting these these, you know, these fresh people called in the ministry and man, what are we doing that what are we not doing that they're doing? Right. And I remember there's one particular Sunday. I was struggling. I didn't, I didn't want to. I remember I just like, I don't know if I want to do this. The only reason is because I'm doing it because of the culture, right? The cultural right, right. mandate that seemed to like, you, you, you're the next one up, man. <laughs> right? You're, you're the next one <laughs> off the bench. Like, you got to go in now. That, that guy is retired and moved on from this church to pastoral ministry. You got to jump in here. So I remember going up to the front of the church, which we called altar. And, uh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies even to call it that, you know, it's like, right. I'm, I'm kicking against the, yeah, it just, the terms, um, language, right. And, and I, at that particular time, I didn't know that it mattered, that words mattered, language mattered, language had an origin and had context. So it just flew with it. Well, if you want to, if you want to nail down your calling trend, well, there's, that piece of carpet up there, that four by four piece of carpet, you nail there down, you, and, yeah, right? you nail down, kneel down there and we'll have an, uh, we'll have a, um, a prestigious, uh, mature, um, senior lady come over and pray with you. And, and I love all seniors. I'm sure one day I'll get there, Mike, you know, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's good. So. I, I I go up and I kneel down at the pastor's request, right? And that's another thing too is, you know, you're sitting there so vulnerable, and the guy up front is pinpointing the twenty teenagers that are sitting in the back seat, and they're calling us by name. I mean, can you like you just think about oh, that wow. now? Yeah, right. Can you imagine being at any public event, and the person goes, "There's a guy here named Trent." Yeah, you. You, you you need to become you need to go into the arts and culture uh, yeah. genre, yeah, and exactly. spend your life doing that. And, and you're like, man. So because of the sheer terror that we had, we just went to the front because that's what we did. God is up there. I'm here. There's a separation, you know, of of carpet and pews, and I need to I need to close that gap if I'm going to hear from Jesus. Yeah. So we went up there, and the old lady laid her hands on me and, you know, she said what I, I believe she said so many times is that God is calling you to be a pastor. Excuse me. And who might I argue, right? With the face, the franchise, right? <laughs> She's been using this, this matter so many times. So I was like, well, I guess wanting to go, I originally want to, to go. It's funny because God's will is simply 
that you know Jesus. Exactly. You believe on him. It, yeah. Like, I love what Andrew Farley says. Hey, you know Jesus Christ? You're struggling to know what to do? Pick something and just go with it, knowing he's in you. It's, you it's that simple, right? Just choose. Like, it you know, is. If, if you're naturally swaying and, and bending to one specific desire that you have, go for it. So I wanted to go into police foundations originally. I wanted to be a correctional officer. Hmm. And it was incredible that night when I received a so-called word from a, a we'll, call her, we'll call her the patriarch of, of the church. There you go. And she, I went home that night, Mike, I, I couldn't sleep. Like I cried and cried in turmoil. I had dreams that I believe were initiated by an unwarranted verbal gesture of, of command of telling me what I should do. And man, they're looking, it's only in retrospect, looking back, I'm going, I just didn't have anybody to help me. And yeah. we were always taught, you got to fight this out with God, right? You got to wrestle with God. Yeah, of course, we us, all know where that comes from. Yeah. It gives us such a bad view of God when we're exposed to that kind of an environment all the time. You're, you're being raised in that environment. Um, you know, you come out, you come away with this view of God that isn't realistic, that isn't true. And you think that you have to perform like that. That's exactly right. And I think the, the uncomfortable uncomfortableness, if I could say that, is you just felt like you did not have any support factors to bounce these bounce questions off. Uh, I didn't even know you were allowed to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. That's sad. I felt like once you went into this, you were bound by, I guess, handcuffs, use that metaphor, and you just had to go straight to straight to jail, so to speak. You, you had to go with it. You just had to fly with it. Like, and so I remember all night, <clears throat> the next morning, so vividly remembering climbing this. I'm 18 years old. I'm 18, not 12. I mean, I'm 18 and I'm crawling in my mother's bedroom, crying and saying, something's not right. Mm. And of course, we, I just, you know, we were taught to push that aside. Anything, right. anything that's objecting what has been spoken over you, right? You just, you just suppress that. And, and you go with it because we know what's best for you. And, that, and that's another thing that I think is so common in, uh, in the institution is that we feel that we're obligated without question to give way to elders, to people, and their word for our lives without question it, without, without objection. Like you cannot mm -hmm. turn a nose to it. And if you do, you are rebellious. You're, this is your authority, which we know. There's no top-down authority. Exactly. Nobody has authority over me. Jesus is mine. Nobody else. So, make a long story short, I went, in, I went into pastoral ministry uh, as of three years ago. It was 20 years. And long, ardenous road of 
and again, I mentioned the whole retrospect because retrospect is such a powerful tool. If, if you allow yourself to think back and the, the map that led you to where you were, where you are today, with, with wisdom, you could begin to see where you went off the, the, the beaten trail. Right. Hindsight. And yeah. when I started to, to, to look back, I can see how, I can see how dilapidated and, and, and coarse and bad that road was. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It does. You, you don't see it when you're in it. No, you never do. You, you just, you know, you're kind of in the stream and you're going with the flow because everybody else is in the stream and going with the flow. And like you said, you don't know any different. You don't know that you can stop and ask questions. No one else is asking questions. Everyone else is just kind of blindly following along. And so you don't want to be different, you know, and, and so you, uh, you just go with the flow and you, you, you stay in that flow until you crash and burn. And yeah. when you crash and burn, you know, people go different ways when they crash and burn. But uh, when you're in performance like that, it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's got to it's happen inevitable. sooner or later. Yeah. And those that it doesn't happen to are usually the ones in charge. Of course. You know, and, so. and, and, and that's the way it works. Yeah. Uh, it's a flawed system because it's not God's system. It's simple as that. Like yeah. It's not God. Uh, it's not God centered. It's not focused on the cross resurrection. It, it, it's, it's that it's a system. And we know systems within the, confines of grace and the cross and resurrection will will always stifle it will never it will never it is for freedom that Christ has set us free it will never accomplish that it will never give you that ever so if i can continue on mike with the story yes please <clears throat> um so all of looking back on this long winding it wouldn't even say winding it's more like you know appalachian mountains and and you know rainforest and jungle it just it just felt like it was the you know the road less traveled like it's supposed to be a narrow road which is grace we understand a narrow road is grace but it began to, to be a obnoxious ride which i was burnt out before i even got there so i i started and and there's so many so many stories and if i could if i could implore and I, I can encourage people out there. You stumble upon this podcast and you're listening to me. I am one. I feel like I feel like uh, you know. I should have a sticker that says "I survived," right? <laughs> but I'm I'm an example of learning to question things and learning to not take everybody at their word. Mm -hmm. Anybody that you, <clears throat> even if you find yourself at a church location building on a Sunday or a Wednesday, whatever given day that might be because the guy wears a tie and he's elevated above you. And, you know, he has this, this, what we think is this studious authority over everybody and this demand and this obligation. You do not have to take anybody at their word in regards to your life. You do not. Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. And we could read through John, the middle of John, where Jesus said, The Spirit will come, the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. will come, and he will testify of me. He will 
he will tell you, remind you what I've said and done. And, you know, we even know that scripture that says, you know, you don't need anybody to teach you. And exactly. I, I think, I think in, 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 in the institution is that we try, pastors miss this, and those who are living in it, they miss this whole understanding of spirit as teacher. And they basically have substituted themselves for him. That's exactly right. And then you put it in that hierarchy of top-down authority that Jesus clearly said, you it, know, shall not is, be. it shouldn't be there. It doesn't belong there. But it's there. And we think that it's legitimate. And so we submit to this propped-up authority, which doesn't even exist. Right. You know, and, and you know, people, only, people in the body of Christ only have as much authority over us as we let them have. Right. As soon as we say no, there is no option for them. It's over, you know, it's it's done. But we just have to know that we can say no. We have to be aware that this authority is fake. This authority is propped up. It's part of an institutional cog that has to keep going. It has no place in the body of Christ. We're all priests in the body of Christ. We're all we're all living members of his household and that household isn't brick and mortar or, or wood and, and nails. It's us. It's, it's living, it's living stones. It's living flesh. It's, that's right. It's that's the right. new heart. It's the spirit of Christ in us, which is the hope of glory. The circumcision of the heart. That's right. Exactly. And so I got a fat, I mean, there's so many stories I can tell and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, and going with the flow here, pick and choose. Um, but there was a time in, I think, my 10th year of being a pastor uh, that I just crashed and burned. I think it was 2009, 2010. I think that's similar to your story, isn't it, yeah. Mike? Around that yeah, time, that isn't a, that funny? That was a busy year for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. There's a whole bunch of people about that Any, same time. Anybody out there listening, You, uh, if this is vibing with you, put up your hand, even though I can't see you. <laughs> and I remember, this is, this is probably the defining moment. Where I was like, man, this, this has to be, this is broken. This is broken and it's breaking me, right? Brokenness was supposed to be unhealthy, you know, brokenness, if you know what I mean, this top-down authority, this demand, this, this expectation that is above what's given to people to give after a while, it just breaks you. It just breaks you. And it, it's a it's a sorrowful, tough moment when that system finally comes crashing down on you, and you realize, man, this is not me. This is what's what I've, through no will of my own, I've been put under. Mm-hmm. So I was pastoring a church, and I was a youth pastor. And I remember the senior pastor came to me one day and said, "I needed a chat." Now, some backstory. My wife and I moved to back to Newfoundland, my home roots, to take a youth pastor's position there. And the the guy, which I had some understanding of him, had authority issues. <laughs> you know, not, as, I mean, <laughs> I mean, is anybody surprised? And we we thought, oh, this would be a great change of scenery. Uh, we've been at our current church for ten years uh, up in uh, northern Ontario. Let's make a change of scenery. We have family home, so we go back there. Uh, we fit in, love people. It was it was it was good, as we understand good, doing what we were doing. Uh, 
didn't know any different. I remember one day he called me into his office. So I need you to come in. I said, well, I said, well, I'm at a hockey game. I'm coaching. So I was a coach of the hockey game, uh, sorry, hockey team in high school. I, I'm a big sports fanatic and I love, I love to have my hands in any game possible because I'm just wired that way. I love sports. I love the, the, the analytical part of sports. I love coaching. So I said, I can't, I, I'm coaching. He said, well, I want you to leave the bench and come here right now. Really? And I'm like, this guy can't be serious. So I said, no. I, I kid you not, I kid you not, and this is the this is the ridiculous stuff that the system breeds when it gets to gets it gets to people's heads, right? He left the church and came down to the arena and came on the bench. Are you serious? No joke. And said, oh, "I want you in my office." As soon as this game is over. Oh, and I want you to bring your sermon notes for Sunday. I want to look over it and make sure it's theologically sound. Wow. And I'm like, I'm looking around. Well, I, I lost it. I lost all focus on the game. My heart's pounding. I feel, I feel strained. Uh, so uncomfortable. So lost. So alone. In that moment, I'm going, I mean, this guy, supposedly, we, this guy's supposed to be you know, a mentor, air quotes, right? a friend, a partner, supposedly, but he's not. It's power. Exactly. It's exercising, a, a, the abusing authority. That's right. That's, That's exactly what it is. Right. So he wanted me to bring. So anyway, I remember getting on the phone. This is after about. A few months there and going, do I have to listen to this guy? Because right now he's being yeah. absolutely inhumane. Like this is just, this is, this is not even normal. Like I remember my mom calling me out for dinner when I was young. And if I missed dinner, she'd be upset, but she wouldn't be to this point. And I'm going, and what? You're, I, I'm, I'm coaching these kids. This is what I'm here to do. And, and you're so selfish. You're asking me to leave all this because of your agenda. So I remember after the game, uh, I was heading there and I pulled into my house and guess who pulled me behind me? He was basically stalking me around town. So he gets out of the car and he swears at me and I go, wow. (laughs) I love it. I, I wanted to swear back so bad, but... I was uh, I was a special kind of Christian, Mike. <laughs> there you go. You're the non-swearing kind. I was a Pharisaical. <laughs> everybody everybody had expectations of me to be nice, so I had to be. So I'm I'm staring this guy in the face like a hawk, and I'm thinking, really, the same guy who spoke about <laughs> with all the buzz around the, about the uh, "you get me" ad. You know, you know about yes. that. Well, this guy yes. was actually just finished preaching feet washing the day the Sunday before and I'm going wow that demonstrative love coming through your mouth has no bearing and no connection to feet washing you know like come on like you're a totally drawing like you're going this way and that line's going that way and you so I I I said to him I remember this is this is the point that all turned around for me I remember looking at him in the eyes and I just said I'm gonna say something to you right now 
and I want you to listen because it's going to be a very simple word. And I pointed at him and I said, no. Nice. I, that's all I said. And he kept babbling and bantering. And I said, no. And when he got in his truck, I went over to him. I said, if you're going to play this game, I'm willing to play. But I'm not going to play it alone. So I remember getting on the phone with all the board, the board members and elders. And I, who, of course, in uh, top-down authority within the church, and of course, within the, 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 the pastor board ranks, youth pastor is always at the bottom of the totem pole. You never call oh, yeah. meetings. So I was like, I'm being bold. I got on the phone with every one of them. So I'm calling a meeting right now. This is emergency. So the, we all gathered, and, and the, the senior pastor didn't even know until he walked in, walked into the meeting and said, uh, Trent called this meeting about you abusing your authority or something like that. And nice. he, Mike, he acted as gentle as a lamb. Like oh, he yeah. was quiet. He said, I don't understand. I don't know what you mean. I, I just simply and calmly asked for a couple of things. And it was no big deal. I just remember standing up and going, you, I, I, I said, I already know I'm out of here because you don't deserve you don't deserve an individual like me who has a heart truly for people. I'm not letting you squash that. So I already know I'm out of here. I'm out of here, but I'm saying to you right now, and I'm going to point every board member in this room, you are the fattest, biggest liar I've ever, ever laid my eyes on. And you have the, the guts and to lie to everybody around this table. I said, you really don't understand what you're doing. So every one of the board members around the table start questioning him. And I was objecting to everything he was saying. I said, he's lying. He said, what? I said, why would I lie? Why, why would I lie? This guy's been stalking me since I got here. And, and one board member spoke up and said, said to him, he said, uh, I won't say the pastor's name, but he said his name and he said, he was like a, a tear rolled down his cheek and he said, why would you do this to this young man? Like, why would you even follow him around town? Yeah. Well, I, uh, I had some doubts about his work ethic. And if he, he, this week he only spent 10 hours in the church building, stuff like that. And, and, and nobody was buying it. So I remember I resigned like right at that moment. I was like, I'm done. And then two weeks later they had this, you know, this going away party, right? They had this goal, ray. This uh, uh, we're concluding Trent, Pastor Trent's ministry, and so we're going to have a farewell tour, right? So it's a going remember. away thing for you. It was for me. Already, even though yeah, you already resigned, I did. They wanted me to stay behind. I said, "Okay." Wow, awesome. So, yeah, it was weird. So I remember this. I remember going to that meeting or that farewell party, and the senior pastor didn't even show up. He was upstairs in his office the whole time. And the board members uh, went up, went, went up there. All I heard upstairs was yelling and screaming. It was unreal. And then finally he had the guts out. Like I've never, like I've never met somebody who's just completely absent when it comes to human interaction. He comes downstairs after all the yelling and all the screaming and creating a, creating a show. He walks downstairs and my dad is there. 
my dad stands to, cause he's there, of course, supporting me. He comes to, sure. to visit it. He stands out, walks right over to him. And the guy says, Hey, Roy, how's the fishing? Cause my dad's a big avid fisherman. He goes, don't even try to avoid this conversation. He said, you've damaged my son. And at this point, if I gave into my feelings, I would damage you pretty bad right now. Wow. All you've ever done since he's been here, because he's told us that you've just harassed him. And so if I were you, I would turn, walk the other way and do not talk to me. Something bad might happen. Wow. Good for him. Um, so anyway, I left that fast forward in here a few years. I ended up in the uh, town I currently left in Belmont. I was there for 10 years as the pastor and it was awesome. But of course, like the institution, the system, which is man-made, it produces, it, it just produces too many opportunity, Mike, for error. It produces too much opportunity for people to crown themselves as king when it comes to what they want. If you have a you have a system, especially a system that they, that you think represents Christ, and you're paying into that, let's be honest, you're paying your taxes, right? To you're, you're basically it's a tax. You're paying a ten percent to a church. So you let's be honest. So you can have that gold metal plate, metal plate, right, on the pews to say right. that you donated a bit of this, or on the pulpit to say that you bought the wood for that pulpit and all this stuff. But we we basically went from that situation that I we. I just talked about into this new situation. Um, and it was no different this time. It was just the substitute pastor for a, you know, a, a disgruntled board member who wanted me out of there. And, um, after being there nine and a half years, finally, this guy who is so funny, this guy was a board member. He was the, uh, chairman. I gave him opportunity to, to, to teach Every Sunday, or sorry, once a month, engagements, opportunities. I coached him at the gym, had him over my house for coffee and tea, for lunch, for dinner. We'd meet for coffee, for conversations. And I remember when we were on holidays about three years ago, uh, around June, in June. And I remember one of my board members called me and said, we have a problem. I said, what? He said, who I won't know, I'll call him Joe. Joe went completely rogue on you, and he's basically contacting every church member asking for you your resignation. And I go, knowing my, my all my experiences, like I've, it it seems it's so funny, Mike. And you you can speak to this, you can testify to this. No matter where you go, in the uh, <clears throat> grand scheme of institutional living, that. That attitude will always be there somewhere, some way, on some level. You cannot escape an institution, an institutional attitude that, that comes from something that's man-made, that God never promoted, is never his idea, and expect it to dissolve or not be there. It will always be there. Always yeah. be there. So. I remember confronting this guy. I'm going, you know what? I don't tolerate this crap anymore, man. I don't call tolerate this crap. So I remember, um, I said, we're going to get this guy. We're going to get this guy. So I basically schemed with the other two board members. So I said, okay, you know what? We're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to corner this guy. We're going to, I'm going to call up another pastor in town and, and, and get a room in his church. And we're going to call 
Joe. We'll use the name Joe. We're going to call Joe and we're going to get him to come and say that, uh, you know, we're just uh, we're having prayer time at the church. This church is close by. So he ends up showing up with his Bible and he's, you know, he's freshly showered. And so he walks into this room. I'm sitting here. The table is <clears throat> 20 feet long. Of course, that's the, that's the, uh, the, the table that pastors use to confront right. people, right? It's business table. <laughs> the and confronting have, table. <laughs> the confronting table. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it's the reverse of the bread and wine. You serve like poison and <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we have two board members sitting on either side of me and I strategically set it up where he, he had to sit right at the end of the table. And when he walked in the room, I said, you know why you're here? He said, prayer time. I said, no, you're not. You're here to be confronted. Mm. He said, confronted with what? At that moment, I said a lot of other things, but what really got him was I had three pages, three pages printed out of everything he said from everybody he contacted, contacted to get me overthrown. I said, uh, well, shall we just jump into it? Let me read. And I was kind of being so sarcastic, you know, slowly taking the piece of paper apart and reading it slow and steady. And sometimes I'd even go, you know what? For dramatic effect, let's read that in super slow motion. And so I read all the accusations. Well, there was no difference between a tomato and his face. I mean, it was Mm. just. So confronted this this individual but after it was all said and done mike i was like i'm done so that's when my my brother-in-law's dad i don't have a copy of it right now my brother-in-law's dad heard what i was going through and he came to me uh, and put this book in my hands and this is when everything changed for me i was like this is the key this is the treasure this, this is the church. This is the key. And it was Andrew Farley's book, Relaxing with God. Oh, yeah. Good book. I, rem- I remember reading this and going, or taking it, kind of, you know how you first take a book and you got to test the pages out, right? You go, right. I remember just open the, opening the book and my eyes fell on this. You can't find ra- relaxation if you try to make Jesus fit into an old way of law-based religion. And I was like, Jesus has never fit for me. And the reason why is because of this law-based, institutional, top-down, lifeless system. And then when I began to continue to read, because I didn't know, see, no one taught me that I could relax with God because it was always about, you know, the grocery list or the to-do list or whatever the case may be. You got to get stuff done, right? My pastor, old pastor used to say when I was young, be busy for God. Now, you don't want to have idle hands, right? right idle right. feet. You, you, you got to get, you know, don't let the sun go down. And he would never say wrath, even though that's what the scripture says. Don't let the sun, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. He would say, don't let the sun go down on idle hands and idle feet. I'm going, well, you just added <laughs> to the scriptures there. But I mean, this, this was an astronomical moment for me. I can relax with God. Yeah, I've never been able to relax with God. What does that even mean? So then I began to read the book and then this whole idea of the new covenant. 
the Mosaic Law, the New Covenant, not books, blood. Right. Right? The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. I'm going, there's a distinction here? I, I got four years of Bible college and two years of, you know, uh, apprenticeship, and I've never been told that there was a difference. There's a distinction between law and gospel? Why didn't anybody ever teach me this? And, and Andrew Farley is causing fireworks to go off. I'm feeling warm. I'm feeling like, like, oh, my goodness. I feel like I can just, I feel like I can, I feel like I can dunk on Michael Jordan. That's what I felt like, if I can use go. that analogy. I felt like I was important. I felt like, wow, Jesus didn't die to make me, you know, a subcontractor. He, he, he right? He, he died. To make me his son. And of course, if you're you're listening, you're his daughter. And, and, and this whole grace message was, you know, I mean, we use grace so much. We sing it in, in, in these, in these, in church services so much, right? God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. But until you sin one more time, and then of course it dissolves, right? Like, it's just this, this oxymorons. Right, double it's entendres, a, yeah, all the time. I'm like, if, if you're singing this and you mean it, you read it in the scriptures, but all of a sudden you go, you're, you're drawing lines as to you know in, in the scriptures. You go, well, we let's not look at that. Just don't look at that. What we need from you and what God wants from you is perfection. Oh, oh, really? Oh my goodness. Well, then, if that's the case, the survival rate for most Christians are going to be zilch. Right. Yeah. Until until you understand the gospel side of that, the grace side of that, by his one sacrifice, we have been made perfect forever. It's it's finished. It's not something I strive for. It's something that happened when I believed. And it's something That's that right. happens when we believe. If the if the standard is perfection, you know, I'm thinking Matthew five, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. That standard meets its fulfillment not in my effort, but at the cross. And when I believe that is credited to me, I am made righteous. My sins are cleansed, past, present, and future, all of them, once for all. It's not ongoing. It's once for all. And I've been made perfect forever by his one sacrifice. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And that's not what you're going to hear in religious and church settings. You're going to hear religious double talk, just like you're explaining. You know, it doesn't make sense. It's, it contradicts itself. Yeah, so. and I could never convert it. I could never convert this to that. It, 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 could, it would never meet in the middle, right, Mike? You know what I mean? Like a straight line will always meet, right? It ends will meet. But it was like one straight line, the gospel, grace, and then this other line was just, you know, kind of dancing around it. And it, it, would, it would never meet end to end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Hebrews 10.1 says, Here's here's our reality is Jesus is the reality, right? Colossians two seventeen is Jesus. I mean, talking about shadows and types. Jesus is now the reality of everything that was that was the three hundred fifty plus prophecies that were that he fulfilled in his first coming. He's a reality now. That yeah, like Hebrews says that that was slowly you know fading as as basically 
dissolved. It's disappeared. That's the law. It's no longer, uh, uh, you know, it's no longer a relationship of law and grace. It's grace because law has been terminated through the blood and resurrection. That's right. And so these things, I, I mean, even now speaking about it, I put a I put a uh, a meme on Instagram about it's a character from Breaking Bad. What's his name? Walt. Walt. Walter White. Walter White. You know, and, and he says one thing in 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 the show that I can't remember the context, but he says once you once you see it or once you know about this and try to change, you can never go back. And and that's to, that's that's with gospel of grace. Like once I begin to see Christ. You know, uh, once I begin to understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were biographies and not gospel, you know, the Beatitudes is not the gospel. It, That's you right. Know, and, and so much of this began to make sense that this d- dividing line is what really sets you free. And it, my encouragement to people listening, if, if, if you're not dividing that line, you're, 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 you're confusion. You're confused, and confusion will. Oh my goodness! I can't even. Uh, I've been confused most of my life. My wife says, "Well, probably you're still confused." I think you know. You, <laughs> I said, "No, you're confused. You married me." But you know, Mike, it's a full gospel, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful gospel. And and one thing that I love is that there's in the grace community. There's so many people has such a beautiful uh, understanding of grace. You got Brad Robertson, you got Matt McMillan, you got yourself, you got Andrew Farley, and I can go on with the list. And here's what I love about this. Because I always used to feel competition in the institution as a pastor. Mm-hmm. I remember so many times preaching and the pastor coming up and saying, oh, you, you said Torah wrong. Yeah. Okay. Really? You're going to point that out? Or you mispronounce this Greek word within the community of grace within, you know, the ecclesia, there's room, there's oh, yeah. room to grow. Absolutely. There's no, there's no sense of, of, or obligation for perfection in terms or, you know what? Oh my goodness. You know, I don't know where that's found in the scriptures, but I know, I know it says it. Nobody's going to go, oh man, you need to read your Bible, man. How many, how many, how many, Minutes do you spend a day in the Word? Like, I never get that, but I used to always get that in the institution. Yep. Jesus prayed an hour every day. No, it says once that he prayed for one hour in the garden. Okay? Like, it's not like you take that and cut and paste it, you know, and make it as if that's something that we as believers need to do today. And so context is another thing. Mike, I can go on and on and on, but I think the gist of it is when you finally give permission to yourself, to scout out what's going on behind the veil, so to speak. And like read the scriptures in light of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. Right? Take take that, like you always say, take that that page in, in your Bible that says New Testament, rip it out and put it right put it where it belongs. Of, put it where it belongs, right where the cross is, the death of Jesus Christ. That's where it began. Put it there, and then everything else before that, you'll understand in light of that, it 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 does. The, Scripture interprets it for you. You don't don't have, you know, you don't have to find, you know, uh, remember the days, Mike? I remember when I first started Bible college, it was just 
books up on top of books and commentaries, oh, yeah. man. I, like I, I was like, I could have a good bonfire with all this stuff, you know? I had walls of theological books that I, when I came into grace after I crashed and burned, I gave them away. I had oh, thousands you? of dollars worth of books. I had all kinds of books, you know, walls of them, book, bookcases full of them. And I gave most of them away. A couple of them I uh, sold back to Half Red Books or Half Price Books. Half Red Books was my email address. So I would go into Half Price Books with my email address, Half Red Books, <laughs> and I'd sell books. But anyway, yeah, I got rid of all that stuff, you know, and it, I don't know about you, but in homiletics, homiletics, homiletics class, you know, where you're learning how to preach, that's all just propped up. It's all, you it's know, all you, pitting, it's all pitting each other against one another. That's, it it's is. really, it's really, you know, because in our college, there was like, you could see, it's so easy to see the guy that has this aura and, and he, his oration skills. I mean, you give him the, the speaker of the month or all yeah. the, all the yeah. professors that always take time. It's like they, you know, it's like mating season. You just grab, everybody goes to, <laughs> it, it, it's too obvious. And then you got a guy like me who, I was 21 before I graduated, graduated high school. I really got my GED and, you know, it, it, and you see that and you go, yeah, exactly. What am I? And then, and then in that class, you're, you know, you're, you're critiquing each other, you know, during chapel, you have a chance to preach your sermon and then you, you get uh, critiqued by the rest of the class and by your instructor. And, you know, the whole thing is, it's propped up. That's one of the reasons that it's really hard for me to go into an institutional church setting and watch some person prance back and forth on the stage and use all the hand motions that I used to use, you know, and, and just have all this stuff down because it isn't a part of anything. It isn't a part of what the spirit of Christ is doing. It, it isn't any of that. It's phony. It's fake. It's, it's robotic. Uh, it, it's a setup, it's, you know? Yeah. Have you yeah. ever? I mean, anybody who ever goes into a store and sees a mannequin and begins to make conversation with them, with them <laughs> people are going to think you're crazy. But that's what we made it into. Everybody's yeah. it's uniformity, it's conformity. Everybody looks the same, sounds the same, smells the same. Yeah. Well, some in there smell a little worse than others, but we <laughs> won't go there. But the reality is, we should be. And I've said this. I don't where I maybe I made it up, but we should be as different as our nose hairs is are from our big toe. Like that's how. That's the the difference. That's it should be so obvious that, yeah, you know, ch- we made church into a bunch of noses walking around. Everybody's a nose. Yeah, yeah, or a mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, that seems more fitting. Yes. You know. But you know, Mike, um, I'm not sure what you have planned in the next few minutes. If 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 we're coming to an end here, but yeah, we got to wrap up here pretty soon. There's two options. I believe there's two options there. It's we can, we can live in the reality of who we truly are in Christ, or could we, we can choose to live in a debil- debilitating delusion. And that's, that's religion, that's law, that's Moses. Yeah. Like Andrew Farley has said before, like, you know, dating Moses is cheating on Jesus. It's like, right. you know, like there's, there's no, um, there's no marriage there. Exactly. That's exactly right. And this whole system, you know, you, you brought it up earlier, you know, talking about your first experience with that pastor following you around that whole environment 
<clears throat> excuse me, that whole environment lends itself to abuse. It lends itself, it's like an open door for abusers to come in and hide. Especially if you get a narcissistic leader, which, you know, I don't know that guy that you explained, oh, but that's, that's what he sounded like word. to me. That's his and, middle name. Yeah. And so they're going to gaslight you. Oh, you didn't, you didn't, you misunderstood. You know, they're going to gaslight you. They're going to downplay you. They're going to, they don't care about you. A narcissist doesn't care about you. They just don't. And that environment is ripe for narcissists to get in there and hang out. We met a guy here locally about a year ago, I guess, young guy, young pastor of a church and got to spend a little bit of time listening to him speak. And it was really obvious to us that this guy, we called him an abuser in training because he is all about wow. getting people to conform to his ideas. And he's just kind of, he's rough. And he's, you know, he's just not, there's not a lot of fruit of the spirit there, but there is a whole lot of conform to my way of thinking because what I am doing is from God. This is what God's doing. And so he's blaming the Holy Spirit for it all. And then guilting people into conformity. And if they don't conform, there's going to be punishments. And, uh, you know, so he's an AIT, an abuser in training. And it's we so see that. We see that. Yeah, it's so funny, Mike. We have the same people who are in our institutions talking about how much we need to be like Jesus. And we got to preach and we got to, you know, uh, we got to heal people. But they're the same people who fail to be meek and lowly. Yeah, exactly. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't always that way, Trent. No, when, that's right. You know, when I was a new believer back in 73, I had a dear friend who trained me, a pastor who who took me under his wing and trained me. And there was no mention of, of leadership. There was no mention of authority. There was no mention of I'm in control. It didn't exist. That wasn't the point. The point was to serve. The point was to be a shepherd. The point was to care for people. It wasn't to elevate yourself. It wasn't to create this hierarchy of top-down authority. That wasn't even on the agenda. It wasn't on the radar. And I learned what? so much from that guy over those years. Here I am, a young guy. You know, yeah. This is 1973, right? January of 73, during the middle of my high school year, of my senior year in high school. And uh, this guy, you know, I looked like Charles Manson. I had hair almost down to my waist and a big full beard, <laughs> you know, and I walked into this guy's thing and he just took me in, you know, and, and he just, he just cared for people. And that's what was modeled for me very early on is, you know, this guy is just a loving individual. He's not, he's not trying to, uh, you know, hold on to any kind of authority. He doesn't want that. That isn't what he's all about. So it wasn't always that way, but somewhere along the line, it started to morph. And I think probably sometime think in, the, in the mega church era in the eighties. Yeah. I think maybe in the late eighties, early nineties, it started to morph, you know, the mega church, the multi-campus. And then of course, you know, social media later on, you know, and the internet, you know, in the late nineties. And then, you know, things just kind of got, um, got more vocal that way, I guess, and more visible. And all of a sudden you had websites that were competing for your attention. You know, church A over here wants you and church B over mm -hmm. there wants you. And, and here's what we are and here's what they are. And, you know, this is why they're wrong and we're right. And so you have all this in, inward uh, tribal doctrine going on between these groups and they're all vying for your attention and ultimately your money and your time in your life.
And it just, it snowballed to where it is today, but it wasn't always that way. So yeah, there's hope. Yeah, We can go back to the gospel yeah. and just be there. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to just be there. I know this is, is this is very simple, but, but like the gospel is, it's like, it's supposed to be easy. Yeah. The burden is light. The yoke yeah. is easy. Like and that's the not, gospel. And if it's not that you have, you have, uh, every reason to question it. You, you do. Yeah. You have every reason to question it and, and grace. See what grace does. It eliminates this pressure to want to be a celebrity. Yep. Eliminates the pressure. Want to be noticed. It just causes you like a I premised this whole journey with, well, at one point is, is relaxed with God. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. That's it. That's what, uh, that's what ultimately we're called to do. Just rest in him. But, but we suck at resting. We don't know how to rest because we're being told we can't. And so it's, it's hard for us to rest. My wife says that all the time to me. She sees some of the, uh, residue that's left on me from, I mean, it's been, close to three years since I've been left the institution, but she still sees this me, you know, walking around sure. the house and, but, but slowly and surely, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like any dirt in the glass. You keep filling up with clean water. It'll push that right out, which yeah. clean water, of course, is, is the gospel. And that, that's what, uh, ultimately what saves and matures us and helps us appreciate that. Man, this is such good news. That's a great point to end on, Trent. I appreciate that. That's almost like it was Holy Spirit orchestrated. Really? <laughs> you know, so just yeah, between that's you a, and me? <laughs> that's right. That's a good note to end on, you know, just a reminder of the gospel. I wanna I wanna thank you, Trent, for joining me today on Absolutely. the on the Unsunday show. Do you want to give out any social information about how people can find you or do you you know, is that a thing or would you like well, to share any of that? Sure. I mean, you can find me on Instagram at the Grace Gamut. That's kind of my handle. And of course, everything is grace-focused content. Um, I am on YouTube. I just actually started, a, 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 I canceled my first YouTube account and I started the, a, a, this new one. Uh, and it's at the Grace Gamut as well. And oh, wow. um, I'll check that out. And But that's it. Like, I don't, with so many great voices, for grace that are out there. It's like, I don't need much media, but if you want to follow, but appreciate it. Um, Cause when I post, I post it for me, really not for anybody else, but you're welcome to be, you're welcome to be a recipient of that. So YouTube at the grace gamut. And of course, Instagram at the Grace gamut. And that that's all, that's where, that's where I'm at right now. All right, Trent. Well, I'm going to stop recording here. And I uh, really appreciate you uh, coming on again, and uh, let's, let's do it again sometime, okay? Absolutely. Be delighted. Thank you for joining us on the Unsunday Show. To be a part of this ongoing conversation, visit us online at unsunday.com.